If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. It is it's great to be with you this morning. I hope you had a good holiday. I hope you had a good Christmas. My name is David, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm the location pastor here at Kirkwood. Jubilee is one church with four locations. And, um, and, uh, and so I am blessed to, to, to serve and be a part of this location, uh, Kirkwood. And um, I get to preach today, and I thought, you know what, it's New Year 2019, uh, there's, uh, it's, you know, it, I don't know if you're, if you make resolutions, I don't know if you're all about making goals. Uh, if that's you, it's, it's not me. Um, I've never been very good at that. Um, but, but it got me thinking just, you know, as, as we begin to approach the new year, it just got me thinking about, you know, it, it always feels like a fresh start, doesn't it? The new year, fresh start, kind of new goals, new things that we, we want to achieve. And, and, um, I begin thinking of, of, of just times when I've had a, a felt fresh start. And I remembered when I moved here to St. Louis. So I'm not from, I'm not from St. Louis. I'm a, I grew up in Lee Summit. For those of you who know who Lee, Sum, Lee Summit, outside of KC, I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> Gonna win the Super Bowl this year, that's right. Very excited about uh, the football uh, this year. And, um, but I grew up, I moved to St. Louis in 2003. I came out here. I came out here for college, and um, but before I, I, when I started looking into colleges, it was an unknown. I was a senior in high school, and I just knew that I wanted to move out here, and I wanted to go into physical therapy, and so I started looking into schools, and uh, I remember coming out here and, and visiting some campuses, and I remember walking on Maryville University's campus. I was where I ended up going to college, but I, I remember walking uh, the campus and just feeling this real sense of just real, con- like this internal confidence, this is where I'm going to be. This real peace about like, this is where God's, I really felt like God's, God's leading me here, and I just felt really, I really felt really confident about that. And I had some apprehension. I had some, you know, both apprehension and excitement about moving. I was moving away from my hometown where I grew up uh, basically my, my whole life. And, uh, but I was also really excited. I was really excited about the next chapter and a fresh start and embarking on, on, on a new journey. And uh, as we begin to look into the schooling, uh, all of a sudden my dream started colliding uh, with reality. Uh, as I walked uh, the campus and I, I, I applied, I um, found out that they only accepted 40 freshmen every year to their physical therapy program. And uh, I had realized my dream late in my senior year life, and they had already uh, sent out 40 acceptance letters uh, to uh, students for their program that year. But they said, go ahead and apply, go ahead and interview, and you never know what's going to happen. So I, so I did that. And then um, I got home, and then I remember we got a, uh, I remember talking to my dad, and you know, we were looking at what it was going to cost to go to the school. And I don't know if you know this, but schools want a, lo- a lot of money to go there. Not just a little bit, but a lot. And I remember him saying, like, hey, we, we need them not to loan us, but to just give us. Um, and I don't remember, it was a lot of money. It was like 15 or 16 or $17,000. It was like a significant amount of money. It's like, if you're gonna go here, like they're, we're gonna afford this. They, they gotta just give us this in financial aid. And, and I remember my, the shine of my dream begin to, to wear off a little bit. And what I thought the next step was gonna be begin to look not just like an improbability, but an impossibility. And the story that I thought God was writing for me, um, 
you know, it started to take a turn and I begin to wonder and I begin to feel a little uncertain. And, uh, you know, why would God give me such an inner peace, such a confidence about this? I mean, when I was on campus, I remember like, this is just really certain that this is where it's going to be. And then all of a sudden this doesn't really look like it's, it's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but in moments like that, I can feel like I just begin to wonder like, what, what's God doing? What is he up to? You know, has he forgotten about me? Has he overlooked me? And uh, we probably all have a story. We probably all have a story where situations and circumstances don't, don't quite turn out how we expect, where we thought the path was clear and laid out, but then something unexpected happens. Unexpected tragedy, uh, unforeseen difficulty, opposition, closed doors. What was meant to be easy becomes difficult and we can start a journey. We can embark on something new. We can embark on a new job, a new move, a new relationship, a new program with such clarity and with such expectation about how we think it's gonna go. And when things go the way we think they're gonna go, it's really easy to see things through. But how do we respond when things don't go the way that we think they were gonna go or don't turn out the way that we thought they were going to turn out? Because it's in those moments, it's, excuse me, my voice just went away. It's when, it's when those, the difficulty comes and the opposition comes that we really find out what we believe, that really reveal to us what we're holding on to and what anchors us. How do we respond when it not only becomes difficult, but when it becomes painful? How do we stay the course? And you know what I believe? I believe here we are, 2019's knocking on the door. And I believe that God has new stories for us. I believe that God has new adventures for you. I believe that God has new things that he wants you to experience this year. I believe there's new things that he wants you to walk in this year. I believe that he wants to give you stories of hope, stories of renewal, stories of change. I believe that. I believe that he's been promising that if we just even, you know, as a church, if we just look over the past couple months, the things that God has been speaking to us and the way he's been leading to us, There's promise ahead. There's promise ahead. And the truth is though, while there's promise, there's also a lot of unknown. There's a lot of unknown. And while I believe that, I believe that what I just said, that God has new stories, new things for us to walk in, I don't know what that's gonna look like. I don't know that, I don't know what your specific circumstances or situations, I don't know how things are gonna fold out, unfold for us this year. And uh, we're gonna turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31 because I think, I think we can be really helped in knowing there's promise, but not knowing how things are gonna turn out, taking a look at Joshua. And Joshua uh, was a leader of God's people, the Israelites, Uh, He was most known for leading the people. He's most famous for uh, leading the people and marching around uh, Jericho, seeing the walls fall down, right? Probably if you've attended church or have any kind of background, like you know the story of Joshua and, and the walls of Jericho coming down. He's most famous for that. But before the battles, before the battles lost and won, Joshua was a new leader, full of promise, embarking on a new journey with lots and lots of unknown before him. 
And God spoke something to Joshua right from the start to anchor him for the battles ahead. And we can read in chapter 31, verses uh, six, uh, six through eight, it says this, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. Many of you feeling strong and courageous today? Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Through Moses, God is speaking these words to Joshua and to all of the Israelites, his chosen people. And this is right before they are about to embark on a journey into a new territory that God promised he would give them. However, minor detail, it was occupied by other people who weren't interested in moving who were not simply gonna hand over their territory. These were people who were not excited or joyful or glad in any level that the Israelites were coming into what had been their territory that God had promised he was going to give them. These were people with big armies and big walls. And for Israel to say yes to God was to say yes to war, was to say yes to casualties, was to say yes to looking death in the face, yes to being on the move with families, wives, children. The promise ahead was filled with adversity and opposition. Sometimes when we face difficulty as Christians, we can be surprised when difficulty comes and opposition comes. Like, hey, like this isn't supposed to happen. Right? We, can, we can find ourselves caught off guard, even especially in the moments where we feel like we're following God where he has called us to go. When we're doing something he's called us to do. And we, can, we, we, we miss that throughout the Bible, there is promise and opposition. If there are ever two things, there is promise and opposition always in every situation, but even still, even reading it through every story, through every Bible, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, we read about opposition, but yet we're still caught off guard and surprised by it. The Bible uses words like perseverance, endure, stand firm. It likens our journey to a race. And as an ex-runner, I can testify to you that running doesn't feel good. There is opposition. Everything inside your body is screaming at you to stop. We, we, I, ran, I ran cross country in high, in high school and in college. We used to wear shirts that running is, uh, uh, running is like hitting your head against the wall. It feels good when you stop. Like that, runners are sick in the head. We're, I mean, we are. It's hard work. It's opposition, but we're running for some, we're running for a reward. We're running for, the, we're running to cross a finish line. And while there is opposition, the, the, the Bible says that God is doing something amazing and beautiful through it. He's working things 
for our good. And it's just really important. It's really important because I don't want you to head into 2019 and then get discouraged when opposition comes because it will come, all right? Just know it's going to come. And, and you know what? In Matthew 5, this, you know, this stood out to me. I was reading this in Matthew 5. It says that God's blessing, that God's blessing it falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The just and the unjust. In Matthew 5, it talks about, he says, the sun rises. Who benefits from the sun rising? The righteous and the unrighteous. When the rains come for the, that we need to harvest our fields, it, it falls on the just and the unjust. And so it's really easy to be like, why? Why does this person over here, God, it's so easy. Why is blessing happening in their life, but not in mine? And you know what? We're going through good times and, it, and there's probably people around us. Why is good things happening to this person, but it's not happening to me? God's blessing comes on the righteous and the unrighteous. His opposition, there is opposition though to those who will follow him who will walk with him. And this is why he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for their faith. Blessed. Blessed are you who are persecuted for their faith. Blessed are you when opposition comes. When we say yes to God, he doesn't promise ease. We, we're, not, he, we're not signing up for a life of comfort. Some of you are like, we want people to stay in the church, pastor. Like, <laughs> But listen, he offers something much better than a life of superficial satisfaction. He promised us to be with us, the creator of heaven and earth, who is the beginning and the end, who knows all things, who's working all things for good, who sent his only son to die for us. He's promised to be with us, to never leave us, to never forsake us. He promises us in, uh, in two, 2 Corinthians chapter one, he promises us comfort, but not superficial comfort. Listen to this, one verses three through four. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles because there's opposition so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He comforts us so that we can comfort others, but he brings us comfort. He brings us peace in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He has peace for you. He has peace for you in the midst of opposition. You want your life to be a testimony to the greatness and goodness of God? He wants to give you a peace in the midst of difficulty and opposition that this world doesn't understand. That they want to look at your life and be like, you should be a wreck, but you have peace. Why? How? Jesus. Jesus. He says he's going to give us freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand, for, stand firm, therefore. All of these verses, 
There is promise in the midst of opposition. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What he promises, what he promises is not a momentary satisfaction. What God promises us, he promises us something that is deep within us, that changes us, that shapes us, that forms us. And he promises throughout all of it, just like he did Joshua, to be with us, to never forsake us. And I don't know about you, I don't necessarily need to know how the end of the story is gonna happen, but what I do need is I do need God to be with me. I do need to know that I'm not alone. And this is his promise to us, that we are not alone. You know, the Israelites were um, a messed up group of people. I was trying to think of how to say that. They just were. You know, and there, there were times in their, their following God that they really messed things up. And there was then the other times that they really got it right. And I think the story of Joshua is just really, it's this really beautiful story because they're just, they're full of faith. They're full of confidence of what God can do. And I think that they realized, they know that in, when, as, as Moses took a back seat and Joshua stepped in to lead them into the promised land, I think, I think they were really confident and had fresh on their mind the faithfulness of their God, knowing that he would, it was him who was gonna enable them to step out faith, knowing that it was him who had the words of life, knowing that it was him that they wanted to follow, fight for, and die for. God's words echoing in their minds as they entered the promised land, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. They were not a strong and courageous group a lot of times. But when they remembered who their God was, when we remember who our God is, we can be strong and courageous. And they stepped out in faith and took what probably felt like risk. They, they risked it all. They laid it all down on the line and God began to unfold an incredible story that they would tell their children and their children's children to pass down from generation to generation. And the story of God's people entering into the promised land started out with the Jordan River pulling back like a curtain so that they could walk across on dry land. Sounds like a familiar scenario for the Israelites, doesn't it? But you know what's different about this crossing on dry land? The first time when they crossed the Red Sea, they were fleeing an enemy. This time they're going to engage an enemy. God has, God has people for you to engage with who are not your enemy that he wants to bless through you. We're gonna talk about the, our enemy in just a minute, but God has people. We have a real enemy that we wanna engage with. He's called us to engage with. And we do that by loving and blessing and forgiving and living how Jesus lived. They went to engage an enemy when they crossed the river this time. And they did, we know this story. They saw the walls of Jericho fall 
They saw the sun stop in the sky. Do you know that? It's a crazy story. Actually, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to read it here. They're at war. Here it is. At the time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day. I don't think you guys have this. Don't worry about it. Just listen. At the time, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven. It did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Israel. That's a crazy story. The Israelites experienced God's faithfulness over and over and over again. When he comes calling, he's not, he's not looking for good works. He's not looking for our good deeds to be stacked up. He's looking for faith. He's looking for us to be a people of faith, which to the world should look like a community of, of risk takers, except it really isn't risky. Do you know the word risk isn't in God's vocabulary? We feel like it's a risk. We feel like it's a risk to say yes. We, we want to count the cost. If we do this, man, what will this mean? But do you know, the, it, the word risk isn't in God's vernacular. He, nothing is risky to him. He knows exactly how every situation, how every circumstance is going to work out. And what he promises us, us is that we can trust him that he's going to work it all out for good. There's never a risk in God's kingdom. There's never risk. There's only faith. We can feel like it's risk, but he wants us to walk in faith. He wants us to let his words ring in our heads. Be strong and courageous because he's with us, because he'll never forsake us. Just like he promised Joshua, he has extended that promise to those who believe that he is God. And we need him with us because just like Joshua faced real enemies, we have real enemies. We have a real enemy. Though it's not a person, it's not a people. It's not against a government. It's not against a political party. It's not against those who don't think like us or act like us or talk like us. Ephesians 6.12 tells us who our enemy is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, If you're looking at the person across the aisle from you thinking that you're your enemy, they're your enemy, you're wrong. Our enemy would love for us to think that they're our enemy, but that's not true. That's not true. The enemy loves for there to be division amongst his church, amongst his people, because when we're focused on that, we miss this. Our enemy is not each other. It's not a people, a person. It's none of those things. It's we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Israelites were going and they had a physical enemy that they were gonna fight, they were gonna have to go to war with. We have a spiritual enemy. There is an enemy of darkness that is very real that we are to go to war with. 
And you know what? The Israelites, from all practical standpoints, they had an impossible situation. They were facing an enemy that outnumbered them, that had more fortified cities than them. They had more resources than them. They knew the land better than them. They were outnumbered. They had every, the the enemy had every advantage. And honestly, it can feel like our enemy that way. Our enemy knows our weaknesses. He knows our insecurities, knows our failures, knows the lies we're more likely to believe, knows our mistakes, knows our past. And our enemy will use every lie in the book because that's who he is. That's who the Bible says he is. Our enemy is a liar. And he'll use every lie to cause us to question, to doubt, and to turn back from the journey and the promise that God has laid before us. And we can believe that lie and we can turn back or we can forge ahead knowing that the Bible says this, that that the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. See, our God is greater. The enemy can lie to us, but that's really all he can do. He can try to get us off course. He can try to us, for us to believe that God's not as good as he says he is, that he's not as faithful as he says he is, that we aren't up to the challenge, that we're not good enough. I mean, it, I mean it's the, the backwardness of that lie because the reality is we, we know we're not good enough. But, we're, but that, that's okay because God, God has made us good enough. God says, look, I've already won it. I've already done it. So come along with me. But yeah, he takes things that we already know about ourselves to discourage us and cause us to turn back. And it's so critical that we choose to not believe lies, but that we choose to forge ahead in faith. I mean, the walls of Jericho wouldn't have been much of a story if Joshua and the Israelites wouldn't have looked ridiculous and marched around them. I mean, I don't know how that felt, but I could imagine. He wants us to do what? Just walk around. Just keep walking. Day after day, they're walking in circles. Is this really what he wants us to do, Joshua? I feel a little silly. This looks a little pointless. The army, the army of Jericho, they're just, they're mocking us every single day. And if they would have given in to any kind of like, you know what, I'm not so sure. You know what, we've gotten it wrong a lot of times. We're probably getting it wrong this time. If they would have given in to that, there would be no story to tell. There would be no, we would not be talking about the great story of Jericho and the walls coming down. If they would have acted out of fear, insecurity and doubt instead of forging ahead in faith. But they were willing to look ridiculous. They were willing to do something that didn't make sense. And let me tell you this. I have never had anyone stand up and tell a captivating, great, life-changing story that started with language like this. God asked me to do something that was totally in my wheelhouse, that was in my gifting, that was in my comfort zone, that was completely, I was just fully confident and able to do. No great story starts that way. No, it's always, oh my gosh, God wanted me to do this. And it was just, I just, I, I, I just can't, it's so hard for me to imagine me doing this thing. No, I, God, God put something on my heart, but I, I, I just don't know if I have the faith for it. I mean, we wrestle with it. We struggle with it. But when we choose to walk in faith, when we choose to walk by faith and not by sight, 
when we choose to believe in the goodness and the faithfulness of our God and what he's done and realize it's not really about us. He has great stories for us. He has great stories for you to walk in. There may be promises and things on your heart that he is, that you've like, oh, I just feel God wanting me to do this. And you can think of a thousand reasons not to do it. Let me just tell you, do it. Whatever that is, do it. Because God, what he wants you to realize is that we, as we step into the land of our enemies, into the place where we feel uncomfortable, he is going to show his faithfulness in such greater ways. You're gonna experience his goodness in such greater ways. So we can be strong and courageous. We cannot fear because he's with us and he won't forsake us. Even when we get it wrong, when we act in faith, he just has a God way of doing things to make it all work out all right. God has a story for each and every one of you to tell. And I really thought, you know what? Let's hear some stories today. I love stories. I don't know about you, but I love to hear stories. And so I've asked a couple people to, to come up here and uh, share their story and just realized I'm not prepared. Oh, microphone is right here. Can I have that? Um, I love stories of people taking steps of faith, of choosing to trust God. And, um, and uh, it just encourages me. And, and I think it will encourage you. So I'm gonna invite um, Breslin, come on up. Let's welcome Breslin. Uh, this is Breslin. He, we're in community group together. Um, and uh, he's on the police force. And so we have a, our community group is much safer now. We have the safest community group in Kirkwood. Um, but he, he shared a story with our community group the other day, just about trusting God. And I was like, ah, oh, we got to find a way for you to share that. And so here we go. I'm going to turn things over to you. Yeah. So... Uh, my wife and Emily and I started uh, coming to this church. Well, I should say, back when I was deployed with the military, uh, she found this church. Uh, we'd been searching for churches for a while after we got married two and a half years ago. Um, while I was deployed, she found the church, and she was praying that I would like it, and it just so happened to be that I did. Um, and so that kind of was something that encapsulated something that was in my heart for a long time. Uh, I've always wanted to um, serve God faithfully through my finances, all through college, hadn't been able to because I'd been taking up student loans. Um, but when I went to Andy and Liza's class, um, Financial Peace University, uh, my wife and I were able to sit down and do a budget together. Um, when we did that budget, uh, we looked that there's kind of no excuse for us not to be able to now. Um, and so my wife, being a woman of action and being very awesome, was just like, I already signed us up for the, uh, the auto withdrawal. So I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> um, but the funny thing about it was, uh, when we decided to commit and step out on faith and give that 10% of our income, um, just auto-withdrawn, uh, the next day I got a check in the mail for $8,000 uh, back pay from the military. Uh, so absolutely an incredible thing that God did. But I want to be clear. Um, I don't think that this is a, a give and you get kind of right. thing. Um, I don't want people to think that you tithe and then automatically you're given a ton of money. Um, but what I can say is this, my heart changed when I was able to give. And I guarantee if I would have gotten that $8,000 and it was just a check out of the blue, I would have said, I deserve this. Uh, this is back pay, this is something that they, they owed me. Uh, but now I can actually attribute it to God. It's something I can, I can look and it's very poignant. 
And I can, I can tell you that the only thing that I can guarantee you you will get if you take out a step of faith on anything, whether it be finances or whatever it is in your life, is that you know that God will be faithful and what happens next, you can walk through that with God. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Breslin. Thanks, Breslin. Brenda McCutcheon. She makes Kurt McCutcheon look a lot better. And uh, go ahead and share us your story, Brenda. All right. My story is when we were in St. Joe, and um, Kurt got asked to come serve the church in Washington, Missouri. So I um, felt like God was in it, and we moved, brought our four kids who were in, um, established in a school, had great friends, great youth group, left and came to Washington. And within a few months of us being there, um, my daughter Alyssa began um, struggling with anorexia, which that's not supposed to happen when you follow God. <laughs> um, so we, um, we struggled with that for the whole five years that we were at um, in Washington. And then five years into it, um, Kurt was asked to come to St. Louis. And we were um, in the same place. Our, this time, my son was in a great youth group, had a great group of friends, and was the same age as my daughter was when God asked us to move the first time. So I remember standing in my kitchen and going, God, how can you ask me to do this? I am still wrestling with the life of my daughter, and you're asking me to step out in faith and believe that this is not going to happen again to my son. Um, so I remember standing in the kitchen and just crying and saying, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> you, and how can you even ask me to do this? Um, but I felt like he said, I'm going to take care of Ben. Um, Ben's mine, and you need to trust me. So I cannot say that I was a great woman of faith. <laughs> I said, okay, but still had some heels stuck in the ground, <laughs> dragging me to St. Louis. Um, but God was faithful to Ben. And he would, I had a conversation with him this morning, and he said, because I lost a big group of friends, I had to dig into God. And he became more real to me in St. Louis. But the thing is, while God was so faithful to me and kept his promise to Ben, I was still not being faithful to God because I was still in a battle for my daughter's life and was not happy with God with how he wasn't being faithful, how I saw him as not being faithful to me. And I remember standing in the, um, at church in a, the city location, and there's a verse in James that says, um, in James 1.20, says that the anger of man cannot accomplish the purposes of God. And I felt like God said to me that I, I was so angry with him. I was angry that my daughter was not, <laughs> that was struggling, but also that physically I, I felt like we were losing her and nothing was changing. It had been five years. And I felt like God said, your anger, is, your anger with me is keeping you from being able to see who I am. You, you are not able to trust me because you don't see who I am. My hand is on Alyssa, but it's not looking like you want it to look. But that doesn't mean that I'm still not faithful. 
So for the next two years, almost every day, I had to repent of my anger toward God. But in God's faithfulness, after seven years of struggle, my daughter was set free. We began to see glimpses. It wasn't overnight, but this morning I was overwhelmed with gratitude to a father who's faithful because my daughter was up here, um, part of the worship team, and my son Ben here was worshiping beside me because God is faithful when I was not faithful. So I really would like, not because we are people of great faith, but because we have seen God be faithful and know that his mercy and his grace is real. So we would, as a family, would love to pray for anybody that's struggling with that. Thank you, Brenda. God has a story for you. He has a story for you. He has a story of faith, of taking what feels like risk into uncomfortable territory. You know, and he, we can trust, we can trust that he has good things for, for you. And, um, you know, there are things, there are things that uh, we, my wife and I have prayed for that we've seen come to pass, that we, that we look on and stand, oh yeah, this is God's faithfulness. And there's things that we're praying for that have not come to pass. But we can trust that in all of those situations that somehow, some way, God's working it for good, that he is faithful. He is faithful. We may not see the other end, but he is faithful. And he wants you, he wants you to be a part of his story. He wants to give you stories to tell, stories of life change, you know? And it can be any, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, I don't know what God's stirring your heart for. I believe that he's gonna do it though. It could be, it could be an act of kindness towards a neighbor. I mean, it could be in having someone over for a meal. Maybe that's a step of faith for you. I mean, it could be leading a community group. It could be serving in some, some capacity. It could be trusting God like Breslin and Emily with your finances. It could be trusting God with your kids like Kurt and Brenda. I don't know what it is, but he's got a story for you to tell. And it's a story that will bless you and in turn will bless others because we want people to know about God's faithfulness. What I don't know is a lot, but what I do know, what I do know is that we can be strong and courageous because he is with us and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He'll never forget about you. He'll never overlook you. Because the Israelites said yes to God, they experienced the Jordan River miraculously parting. They saw the great walls of Jericho fall. They saw the sun and moon stand still. Because they said yes to God. If we say yes to God as a church, what stories will he give us in 2019 and ahead? I mean, the options are infinite because he's God and he's over all things in all things. 
The God who can turn water into wine, raise the dead to life, make the blind see, cause the lame to walk. The one who can forgive and pardon any sin. That's who he is. Imagine the blessing we could be, we could be to this city if we let faith lead and not fear. If we say yes to God every day, wake up. You know what? You might wake up and you might feel really bad, but say, you know what, God, I feel terrible, but I'm just gonna choose to say yes to you today. Let's say yes to God. Let's remember and let his words echo in our minds throughout the days to come to be strong and to be courageous, to not fear because he is with us. Let's pray. Can you stand with me?